Jacob Ben 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you want to go to the Jazz game against the Raptors tonight? We'll be the 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE. We've got tickets for you, 855-340-ZONE. Of course, that game tips off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6. So let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of state winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with paid cellular host subscription. Visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. He's my co-host for Jazz Pre-Half and Post. He's our friend, Coach Tim Lacombe. What's going on, Tim? What's going on, fellas? How are you? We're doing terrific. How are you, man? Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's Thursday, right? We're grinding. So, But things are good. Things are good. Just running around today. But, um, yeah, all's well. Nothing to complain about. First day of work for Rudy Gay after he's had a few uh, he's had a few weeks off. It sounds like he's going to make his debut tonight for the Utah Jazz. You're bringing a guy by, like that back who knows how to play. Probably hasn't gone through a ton of practices yet with the team, but obviously knows everybody in the NBA and has played against everybody in the NBA already. What what do you expect? How many minutes do you give him? You know what's what's the game plan? Um, you know that that's going to be interesting for me to watch too. Um, the nice thing anymore is. I, I like like everybody else. I don't I don't really have anything to do with the uh, the game plan, and so I kind of watch and see. But I think that it, it's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized, particularly early, um, and where you know what what part of the game, who, what rotation he's going to be in, um, and then just overall, you know, I think we've all got an idea of what Rudy Gay has been over his career. But uh, what will he be for the Jazz? Obviously, and. Um, you know, I think it's guys have different chapters of their career in every place. Uh, and so we're hoping that, you know, around here, I think the thing is just adding another weapon to the arsenal offensively, somebody that understands how to play as a really good basketball like you can shoot, dribble, pass, rebound. Um, and then defensively has a, has an, a know-how and understanding that veteran understanding. So I, I think it's going to be a great fit how it all works together. I'm, I'm just like you guys. I'm excited to see how that works. I want to ask you a big picture question, Tim. You and I are so focused on game to game. Um, give me a what's, – what's a big surprise about this team from a positive standpoint and a big surprise about this team on the negative? Um, you know, I think the positive side would be uh, – and I think this was probably expected. There was – there wasn't, you know, the chemistry's there. Um, the guys that they've brought in fit in great. And um, I think that's the positive thing. I think they made a couple of changes in the offseason to try to make their team better. And, and sometimes by doing so, you know, we just had George Niang here. And he's beloved by those guys. And so you just never know how it's all going to play out. And I, I think from a chemistry standpoint, teams are stronger, stronger than than it's ever been um, from the outside looking in. Um, I think the the tough thing with this team thus far has just been, I think we all checked the box. This team could would be deadly from three. Um, and we've seen games where threes have fallen, certainly, but not to the extent that that I know the Jazz would like to see it and, and certainly the amount of uh, energy they put into it. Um, you know, that's one area I, th- I would say right you know, this far into the season that we've would be a little bit of a surprise to the negative. It's just that shooting hasn't been a thing yet uh, overall for the team. Guys are shot at individually. 
but just kind of waiting for that breakout, you know, where everybody shoots it consistently for for a little while. I, I think one of the things I've you know, I was trying to figure out what role Rudy Gay was going to play with this team when he came back. And we knew he was going to take George Niang's minutes, but he doesn't shoot that well. He kind of doesn't play that same way. He's a little bit more isolation. But after the Jazz have struggled so much shooting the ball, I look at his career 35% three-point percentage, and I think, wow, the Jazz could really use a guy like that. Uh, what do you think is going to be the thing he offers most immediately? Is it leadership? Is it steadiness? Is it size? What, what, what does he bring day one that the Jazz are missing? Yeah, I think I think the leadership, the veteran leadership and understanding is 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 obvious. And he's been in the league so long and been through so many scenarios. Um, but I do think you know when the Jazz go through these lulls where they struggle to score, uh, threes aren't falling, and you hit it on the head. It's just another guy that can go get you a bucket. You know, you can put like they do Bojan in a post or or Donovan, you know, in an isolation or a ball screen. Um, run a, a special for Rudy, you know, getting a back screen coming across the lane and getting an easy basket. That's where I think this team can really use Rudy Gay. Um, it's just his ability to go get manufacture a basket. And then just all the other things, you know, the leadership piece on both ends of the floor to help the team really function while he's out there. Toronto's in town, Tim, and that means Pascal Siakam. And I, I love his story. And can you give us some insight on, on and because, of course, you were in the world of recruiting and all that stuff for a long, long time. Uh, what's, his, what's his story? He ended up in New Mexico State, developed late, uh, and obviously he's developed into an all-star eventually. But give us his background. Well, you know, it's crazy. It's the first time I ever really heard his name. Uh, I, I had a familiarity with him. Uh, I didn't really know much about him from the recruiting area, the, the recruiting landscape, but um, when, you know, UVU would play New Mexico State, um, and, you know, I'd call, Cody would call me figure afterwards, and he'd say, man, this, this Siakam kid for, for New Mexico State is the real deal, you know, and I started kind of digging in and watching film, uh, and so was not surprised, you know, that he, he, was so dominant in college, and then uh, he—he's just you know. I think it's been a situation where he went to a team that really valued what he does. Um, you look across that Toronto roster; my goodness gracious, they got um, really big, athletic, versatile guys. Uh, even even now, and and they really value that. So, um, don't know a whole lot of his backstory. My my first time hearing his name was that you know, talking to Cody Figure when they were at UVU. And um man, it's been it's been quite a journey for him though and, and he's he continues to make a real impact in the league. I gotta imagine looking back at your coaching history and, and I want to talk about the stars and what they did last night because Jared Butler and Elijah Hughes went down, Malik Fitz was with them for the first time. And they got their first win in three games. And Jared Butler stole the show because he had 30 points, and he was 13 of 23 from the floor and hit a game winner with under a second to go. And he does all these incredible things that don't easily project to what his role will be when he gets up and is playing with the, with the Jazz because he's only going to be on the floor for five or ten minutes. But you look at you know Elijah Hughes, who plays defense and grabs a couple of rebounds and shoots five of eight from three, and that's exactly what the Jazz need. Or Malik Fitz, which is a guy who you know Jazz fans haven't seen a lot of, but he gets seven assists and three blocks and four rebounds and knocks down a couple of threes. It's just he's so good at his role that that projects upwards. It's got to be hard, I guess, as a coach to say, "Hey, I know you score the ball. I know that's the goal, 
But these other guys who are doing the little things, that's got to be the most helpful, and that, that role can help us. It's got to be hard to sell to players. No, I, I think for sure. Um, you know, and, and the study that has been pretty interesting to watch is just, uh, I mean, we, we brought up the name George Niang, and we brought up the name, um, you know, Royce O'Neal, and those guys talk about guys who just have really excelled in, in whatever the Jazz needed um, and, and certainly developed through the, the G League and go, going through and getting those reps. I mean, that's, that's the tough part for the young guys is, um, you know, they're going to get a spot minutes here and there in a blowout. Somebody's not, you know, feeling well that day or doesn't play. But you just can't plan on those minutes. So, yeah, I, I think the, the opportunity, A, to go down and play – and, and be yourself. Like Jared Butler took 23 shots, right? That's that's him. He wants to shoot the ball. Um, but also under, having that understanding that how can I help this team right now? When I get out on the floor, what do they need me to do? And um, and so much of that is communication, you know, coaches being really, really up front. Uh, and then there's a there's a level that the player has to, to buy into that um, because they may not see that as their role. They may say, well, I'm a better shooter than him. Why Why am I the guy that has to do this or that? And so that's where the buy-in comes in. Um, it, it's pretty extraordinary when it works out, and, and very rarely does it work out to the extent that it has for Royce O'Neal, that he was just kind of a fringe guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, a starter that you you have in the starting lineup now on a on a contending team, all because he understood, hey, this is what the team needs from me. Yeah, I can do all that other stuff too, but for right now, I'm going to do what they need me to do. Um, and that's that's great synergy, and, and that's great chemistry, and that's great leadership from coach to player and, and respect from you know player back, and that's how stuff works. Um, doesn't work that way all the time, but but that's that's a great example of it working. I know you like Malik Fitz. Uh, we talked about it when the, the Jazz decided to use him as their two-way player, and uh, you know... I, let me well. Let me put it this way: If he's the next jazz player that plays his way up the roster that we've seen so many times before, tell me why that would be. I just think he's so polished. You know, Ben just said he had seven assists last night. I mean, um, that'd be a really hard thing for a lot of guys to to out, actually go out there and try to find seven assists. But uh, Malik is a read react player. You know, was coached by, in my mind, one of the best there is to do it, Randy Bennett. The nuances of the game. Um, he's teaching players to play basketball, not to not to understand or memorize plays and run those. It's actually like, hey, I'm out on the wing. If my guy overplays me, I back cut it. Um, you know, I get the I get the pass, and somebody attacks. You know, the guy who's under the rim, his guy attacks me, and now I throw the lob to the big guy. It's just instinct, right? There's not a play there, um, and I think that's what Fitz does so well. Coupled with that, I think he's a fantastic shooter. And can really kind of change the game from that. You know, he's, he, he he makes shots in bunches, and then he's got the physical component. Like he he's not afraid to to guard. You know, he, he'll throw his body around to get rebounds. So I think all that. But I would say probably the piece that it makes the most sense why he would work his way up is what we just talked about. He does all the little things really well, um, and you can count on him because he just does them inherently. And so I think that's why, you know, if it were to work out for him, I think that's why it would. So now that BYU has smoked Oregon, how do we adjust our expectations for BYU basketball this year? Oh, I think it's Final Four or bust. There it is. All right. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Book count, your tickets count. now. 
get your tickets now. No, but but really, I mean, that, they just did that to the 12th ranked team in the country, and it wasn't that team was was ranked 12th because of who they have from back from last year. I mean, you go through their guards, uh, Young, Richardson, uh, those guys are are phenomenal, and uh, you know they're they're a veteran. It's a veteran team that BYU just went and knocked around, and and I've said this a couple times, but. We played Oregon in the NCAA tournament back in Wisconsin, um, and they had, you know, bona fide pros all over the place, uh, and they beat the heck out of us, you know, physically and and on the scoreboard. What BYU did to them the other night was a reversal of that. And that's it. That's it. Goes this out on that note. Done. Bam. Mic drop. Out. <laughs> Uh, well, let, let me ask you that question, Ben, now that uh, BYU has smoked Oregon and beat San Diego State, which is a great win. How do we readjust expectations for BYU basketball, if at all? I, I don't know if I am. And that's not a criticism to BYU. I was surprised they weren't already a top 25 team. In all honesty, like, what did you not think was going to be good about this team coming back? And I get that there's some new names and there's some new faces coming in. But Mark Pope is an incredibly good coach. And Alex Barcelo is a very good basketball player who's proven. And you're bringing a young crew back. You know, you've got these these kids coming up that are going to continue to get better and be better. So I was surprised they didn't get more love as a top 25 team going into the season, uh, especially after beating San Diego State. I thought, okay, this is obvious they're a top 25 team. They didn't move up uh, in the AP poll at that point. They will be clearly next week uh, after beating Oregon. But no, that's a I, I expected a team that was going to get to the tournament. I think BYU now as an organization, as a, as a school, as a basketball program, that the expectation is to make the tournament every season. And then, you know, you got to get luck. You got to be healthy at the right spot. You got to get some good matchups. But, you know, BYU, as is, should be competing to get to the second weekend of the tournament every year. And I know that's high expectations, but that's how good they are. And they're going to the best or second best basketball conference in the country now. See, this is what makes this question so intriguing, in my opinion, because I, I agree with you where Pope has the program. They are expected to go to the tournament every year, which is actually not all that different from where expectations were when Coach Lacombe was coaching with with Dave Rose, right. honestly. And not that those expectations were met every single year, but that's kind of where the bar was. Um, but BYU only goes to the Sweet 16 once in a generation, Ben. So is it fair now to expect them to move on? Yes. Because I'm trying to... Yeah, you got the NIL, would, yes, the NIL deals, the recruiting, the coach. Yeah, it is. It's fair to expect them to be a team that gets there two or three times a decade. Okay, so, so I agree with you, but I, I'm just... I'm hesitant because that's not BYU's history. It's different. It's a different animal now. You're going to the Big 12, and I get that they weren't there last year, but uh, the recruits they're getting, the money they have going into that program from the outside because of the NIL deals that are new. I mean... Everyone's heard the numbers that are going into some of these kids. Like, it's real money. It's good. You're paying these kids to come play college basketball for you. It's it's the right, you know, it's what you got to pay to get kids to go play in Provo. And not that Provo's a bad thing, but because you're competing with USC, Oregon, Arizona. Like, you're, you're trying to get kids to come in and play for you. And it's going to cost money to get those kids. USC is going to be paying kids ridiculous money to go and play basketball there. Because they're going to have to if they want to win in the Pac-12. So, BYU's going to have to do the same thing. That's great because those kids are going to do well for the businesses that advertise for them. I think it makes total sense, in my opinion. And then they're going out and getting four-star kids. You know, they've got a lot of interest from high-level kids that are not just good in-state players but have big-time national offers. So, yes, they need to be 
winning a game at least every other year, I think, in the NCAA tournament, and they should be going to the second weekend every three or four years. Okay, so let me let me ask you this, uh, Coach. Uh, Tim Lacombe is, is back with us. Sorry we, we lost you there for a second, but Ben and I were kind of furthering the conversation a little bit. With where BYU's program in, is now, uh, Tim, is it fair to expect BYU to go to this, the, the Sweet 16 on a somewhat regular basis, considering that's not necessarily been BYU basketball's history? It's interesting because I think what Mark's done is – I'll tail into what Ben was saying there. Sorry, I, I went into one of those cy- uh, cellular black holes somewhere. It happens. Uh, but, no, I think Mark has gone out and, and got guys that you know were, were more difficult to get in the past. I think a couple of things have changed. I think the, the transfer situation, you know, guys can now transfer fairly freely. Um, I think that's huge. And I think Mark's done a great job of positioning BYU as an option there. Um, kind of like much like Gonzaga did in the past, and um, I, I think the other piece is, yeah, you're 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 recruiting um, so transfers, and then you've got you've got real interest from junior college guys, fifth year guys. That the getting into school is a little easier now, um, from what I can see, and I think that all that stuff together means they're going to have probably a, a lineup and a roster. Like I look at this one this year, and, and it's. I would say this might be the most athletic roster I've ever seen at BYU. Um, like I said, they just kind of moved Oregon around the other night. They were the bigger, stronger team. So when it comes to Sweet 16, that's always a trick, you know, to say, hey, we got to be in one all the time because that that's why they seed those things the way they do, and that's why they put you – you know, those first two games are not a given. They're tough. So – you know the right the NCAA tournament needs to be obviously a, a goal and a something you shoot for every single year. And BYU is going to have a great opportunity to get there regularly with the Big Twelve uh, playing the schedule they will. So that that's going to change that. But yeah, they'll be in the discussion. I mean, I I, I just I I think they'll build from where they are right now. And I just in a couple of years the transformation's been really really impressive. Well, Coach, thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. And uh, Go back to your cellular black hole. Yeah, right. Stay there for a little bit. Give yourself a little peace yeah, of mind. It's quiet. it's quiet there and nobody bugs you. Yeah. You know, your phone doesn't ring. That's nice. So. Uh, see you tonight, yeah. Coach. All right, guys. See you, Ben. Thank you so much. See you, Ben. I do think... See you, Coach. I do think that one of the things that he talked about there, and it's something we had mentioned, is just how big BYU looked. Even at the opening tip, they were just bigger than Oregon. It was like, oh, this is a different... This is different. Uh, is that I think the guys in the back end of the roster are a little bit better than they had when they were they were relying on what BYU has always been able to do, which is get a couple of kids who want to go to the school regardless of the other offers they have because they want to fulfill the you know promise of going to BYU. They want to be you know the 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 people who are carrying on the legacy of going to BYU, and it's the LP three kids. You know, it was all the kids who came down from Washington, the Jake Heaps year, that all wanted to go play at BYU. And it's like, okay, we're getting these crazy kids at the top of the roster. It doesn't really make sense that they're getting them, but, you know, because it, it, the talent at the top does not match the talent at the back. I think Mark Pope has closed that gap. Yeah. Where the talent at the back of the roster, because he's been good at going out and getting transfers, is closer to the talent at the top. And it's still really good talent at the top. In fact, it's probably the, better, the best recruits they're starting to land really ever. That's good. That's but you win then. Then you have to win. 
Got to get the players. Got to get the players. And the transfer thing is just going to make. I mean, between the NIL and the transfer thing, honestly, Ben, this this discussion about can they maintain to be a Sweet Sixteen program year in and year out is an absolute ludicrous topic because it college basketball is going to be not only year by year, but it's going to be month by month and week by week because players are just going to move everywhere at all times. Correct. If for no other reason than the multiple paydays. But I really, yeah, and that 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 will be a part of it. So I think what you need is you need to have three kids that I think your program is built around over a three- or four-year stretch, and then you're just going to be tooling on the back end, which is what NBA teams do. You've got your core guys for the Jazz. It's you know Donovan, Mike, and Rudy. And then you hope that Boyan and Jordan and Royce O'Neal and Rudy Gay, yeah, I mean, you hope all these guys are perfect in their supporting cast to come in and win. And if not, you move them around. And that's what I think college basketball is turning into as well. Coming up next, we have the top three stories at kslsports.com. It's Jake and Ben. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.